You're listening to the 50 by 50 podcast for the young at heart woman who is looking to get the most out of life as she steps up to 50 and beyond. Hey there, this is Rochelle Marie. Welcome to this episode of the 50 by 50 podcast where we're going to be talking about dying or more specifically the regrets of the dying. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I always thought 50 was pretty damn old. In fact, my stepdaughter, who's just turned 22, was telling me a story the other day about an old guy that came into the cafe where she worked. And as I tried to pin her down to what old was, she said, I don't know, about 30? So, I suspect 50's probably still seen as really old. Even though we have an average of about 37 years left to live as a woman in Australia, a little bit less if you're a woman in America and a little bit less still if you're a man, I find myself thinking more often about dying these days than I used to. There's a lady called Bronnie Weir. Uh, She's an Australian author and she's worked as a palliative carer. She wrote a book in 2011 called The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying and I thought I might highlight each of the regrets for you today because I feel like at 50 we're at that age where we can actually still do something about it, where we can kind of turn things around and get to the point where we are dying, hopefully 37 plus years from now and not have at least these same regrets. I feel like we're going to have regrets no matter what we do, but if we can turn our lives around enough so that we don't have these common regrets of the dying, I think we're going to have done pretty well. So let's jump in, shall we? The most common regret of all that Bronnie Ware talks about in her book is the one that says, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I feel like this is part of the generation that she would have been working with. So back in 2011, we're talking 11 years from the time I'm recording this podcast uh, and we're talking people that were in their 80s at that time. So people that were in their, are in their 90s at this time. And that's probably two generations ahead of where I feel I am. My parents are early 70s. Uh, not quite for my mother. So we're talking a couple of generations ago. And I need to sort of, I'll probably touch on that a couple of times as we go through this list. And I think when I look at my kids... I think they're doing this pretty well already and when I think about our generation I think we're partly there and partly not Um, and that means some of you will completely be there when I talk about this one and some of you will completely not be there at all Uh, and so I think it's a really good one to consider now now in our 50s this is this is a really important thing to think about when I was younger, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer. Um, that was the life I guess they expected of for me. They wanted me to be a lawyer and second off the cab rank was an accountant. 
And I think that's because when I was young, we were definitely not well off. Um, my parents had four girls and for a long time, money was very tight. Um, as with a lot of people back in those days, my mother made all our clothes, did all our haircuts, cooked everything from scratch, baked, all of those good things that I don't do at all. Um, and so I think my uncle was a lawyer and they wanted me to have money so that I didn't struggle. Of course, I ignored them completely and did some psychology work at university, um, not because I wanted to be a psychologist, but because I was uh, insatiably curious about human behavior. And I really just enjoyed the subject. And that's why, um, I, that's why I did it. And that's how I kind of knew I'd pass is because I loved it. So I had no problem reading all about people. Anyway, I digress. Um, so that was, I guess, the start of me not living the life that others expected of me. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I did a few other things. I went and traveled Europe by myself for a couple of months. That certainly wasn't an expectation anyone would have had of me. While I was there, I got a tattoo. Another thing that people definitely didn't expect from me. I was a very quiet and rather reserved person on the whole. And getting a tattoo back then was a bigger deal than it is today. Um, my daughter today has many, many tattoos, and so um, it's probably more an expectation now than it was. So I guess there are, um, I, I often put myself out into doing what others didn't expect of me. Um, now, whether that meant I lived a life true to myself is a different question, I guess. And I think that's where I, I come to today is I feel like I am living a life true to myself. I, I'm in a job that I love. I'm in a relationship that I am grateful for every day. Uh, and yet I still feel that I need to check in. Um, so I think the first question I want you to, to think about in this is what does it mean to be true to yourself? If you're going to live a life that's true to yourself, you need to define what that is. And I think that's you know, something that you can sit with for quite a while and really try and dig deep into what does a life true to myself look like. Um, maybe a question you could ask in this space was what were the dreams that I had when I was at whatever age, a child, in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s, what were my dreams? What are my dreams now? And a question I really like to ask myself is, what would I be doing differently if I truly loved myself? And I think that's a really powerful question because I think, you know, I don't know, our generation, we're not that great at loving ourselves. I don't think that's any different for the, the kids' generation. So, you know, it's time we did start loving ourselves and it's time we started living as if we loved ourselves. So those are some questions for you to ponder on this first regret of the dying. The second regret Bronnie found was I wish I hadn't worked so hard and this again comes from both the generation that she was dealing with and also that um, this was mainly men that said this to her and I think the generation that we're in now uh, where women are far more likely to be working full-time um, 
whether they have children or not. Uh, maybe in the early days they are not working or working part-time um, but life often leads to women working because they want to or because they need to and so this idea of I wish I hadn't worked so hard at the end of our, our lives I think would be prevalent for everybody now and I think the the wording that Bronnie uses in this gives some clues to how life used to be and that was that the men regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. So I think there's a couple of things we can do to make sure that this isn't a regret. Um, it's looking at the work we're doing and is the work we're doing making us feel like we're on a treadmill of existence because that's definitely something that can lead to regrets. So do I love or at least enjoy my work? If I don't, what can I bring every day that will help me enjoy my work? What can I bring that will allow me to feel happy in what I'm doing every day? And if it's really past your brain to come up with something in that realm, then perhaps it's time to look at a change in career or a change in organization or a change in position so that you're not feeling like you're on this treadmill of work, home, work, home. Sometimes work at home, um, particularly for us women. I think another question though that we need to ask in this space is, is my, is my wheel of life in balance? And by wheel of life, that's a coaching tool where we decide what in our lives are important to us and then whether we feel like we have incorporated that area in our life enough. So a typical wheel of life might have on it work, home, um, family, our significant other, community, friends, health, spirituality for some, um, whatever whatever big sections of your life are important to you would go on there. Now I know some of us, if we could, would quit work altogether and that wouldn't be on our wheel of life, but for most of us that's still not an option yet. Uh, so it needs to be on there. And then when I talk about balance, it's not about Am I doing 20% of this and 20% of that and 20% of you know each of those areas? That's that's not balance. Um, it's not realistic, and you might actually find you're not happy doing 20% in every area that you feel is important to your life. We know that work is a big part of it. We know that family is a big part of it. We know that our significant other, if we have one, is a big part of it. Um, so they might have bigger percentage-wise in time but it's more about a balance that feels right to me. So when I look at my wheel of life and I look at, for example, community, I don't need community to take a big portion of my life up. I'm an introvert, I'm happy in my own space. However, I do like connecting with others and I do like being out in the community, whether it's with friends or you know, giving back or whatever it is. And so for me, that might look like 5% in any given month or 10% in any other given month. So it's just checking in with yourself. Do I feel like this is in balance? And maybe the question now is, 
if I get to the end of my life, what would I regret not spending more time doing? And that might give you some clues as to where you're out of balance right now. And then if I'm out of balance, what can I, what can I do about it? Is there something I can let go of? Uh, if I go back to what my parents wanted me to be as a lawyer, you know, I know lawyers work ridiculously long hours, 60 to 70 hours a week. And I am so glad that's not what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, as a lawyer, you earn a lot of money for that 60 to 70 hours. If you aren't, you're doing it wrong. Um, but do you need all the money? If you're feeling like your life's out of balance right now and you're going to get to the end and have regrets about how much time you're working, then maybe look at your life and look at what things you can let go of so that you could let go of some of those hours and let go of some of that incoming money and focus more on what you gain by doing other things. Okay, so moving into the next regret, the next most common regret is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. So how often do you bottle your feelings up in order to keep the peace or in order to avoid confrontation? In this one, Bronnie speaks of people settling for a mediocre existence and never becoming who they truly were capable of becoming. In fact, she talks about many of them developing illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result of holding feelings bottled up inside. And I believe this to be true. I have seen people who I know have bottled feelings up for years and, and decades and not really spoken their truth and they end up really sick and I feel like they could have let their feelings out, spoken their truth and um, it wouldn't have manifested in a physical way. I, I also know the difference in expressing your feelings um, from a personal perspective when I think of my first marriage there were so often things that I held inside and I thought to myself well that's what I needed to do to keep things happy in the family together of course that didn't work and I and I can see my part in that um, and eventually the relationship fell apart Thankfully, I tend to look back at everything as a lesson. And so I really spent months and years um, working through what my responsibility was in the breakdown of that marriage. And through that, I've learned after a lot of introspection how to express my feelings and how important it is to speak my truth at the time. For me, it's been like, I guess, like a muscle. So I started small. I started with small things. I started with speaking up about things that I didn't used to speak up about. Like, can you please pick your towel up off the floor and put it in the washing basket? Uh, because it frustrates me that I have to do that for you. Okay, it sounds little. I never used to do that, um, which might sound crazy or it might sound familiar. I don't know what situation you're in, but now I'm able to say a lot bigger things. I'm not going to say that it's a piece of cake for me. I still sometimes will think a little bit too long before I speak up. However, I do now speak up, um, but I am definitely a work in progress and I know the difference this has made in my relationship with my husband, my second husband. And how healthy our relationship is as a result of it. 
I'm also lucky that my husband does the same and he speaks up with his feelings and tells his truth. Um, and I think, you know, I, again, I'm grateful every day to have this man in my life. Um, and I think women, you will know where I'm coming from when I say that. And men, if you think that expressing feelings is a weakness, I can assure you that the women in your life will see it as a strength and the men in your life that matter will also see it as a strength. So get practicing on building that muscle. The fourth regret of dying is I wish I had stayed in touch with friends. And this is a tricky one for me. I believe that not all friends are meant to last forever. I think some of them are there for a season and I think that's fine. I think there are friends that you have when your kids are young. I think there are friends that you have while you're at a particular workplace. Uh, I think there are friends that you had at school that don't need to be in your life now. I also think there are friends that you have in every one of those situations that will outlast that situation, outlast that context and stay true friends throughout the rest of your life. And those friendships, the ones that transcend context, as long as you put the time and effort into them, then they will pay you back tenfold. There are friendships that I've let slip away because we've been on different life paths and I wish I hadn't now that I look back. And there are friendships where I hadn't realized it slipped away because life was busy and then it was too late. So I want you to think about whether there are friendships you have that secretly you know you're not putting in the time and effort that they deserve. Or... Are there friendships you might want to put, get back? Friendships that you let slip away, that maybe you get a second chance on. I've seen my husband do that recently, reaching out to old friends that he hasn't been in touch with for a long time and rekindling some, some really amazing memories and hopefully friendships that carry on in the days ahead. have a think about whether these friendships that have that have slipped by or friendships that may be you know just coasting along right now are these friends that you might want to see in your dying days and then think about how can you strengthen these friendships today what time and what effort do you need to put in today to ensure that these continue through Okay, the final regret for the dying is I wish I had let myself be happier. Now this is a big one. Bronnie notes many of her patients hadn't realized happiness was a choice. Fear of change, she says, had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content. And yet on their deathbed, they longed to have laughed properly and to have had more silliness in their life. And I can so understand that. I feel like at some point when we grow up, and I'm using air quotes there, so many of us seem to believe that means an end to silliness. Everything seems so much more heavy and serious. Yet some of my best memories are the times I've laughed so hard I cried. You know those times when you're like, 
you start laughing and then you're at the point where anything anyone says will set you off again. You have no control left. Those are some of the funniest times of my life. And honestly, I can't even remember what it is we were laughing about. I just remember the feeling of it. Or there was a time as a young mum when I completely let my guard down and I'm I regret to say that it wasn't very often that I did this because I really felt the weight of being a mum and being the responsible adult, particularly as a single mum. But this one time I pretended I was a goldfish with my kids, mouth opening and shutting, flopping about on the bed like a goldfish out of water. And all I can remember is my kids' laughter and they loved it. They were hysterical with laughter and it was the best feeling as a young mom having this having the sound fill the room. And yet I didn't do it again and I wonder why I didn't do it again. So let me ask you, if you think about being silly, what does it bring up for you? If you're anything like me, it's mostly about others judging us. And then I feel like I look at this age that we're at and I'm like, haven't we earned the right by this age to let go of worrying about other people's thoughts about us? When we die, are we really going to be happy we lived our lives based on what we guessed other people might think about us? Or are we going to be happy we laughed and let go and connected with others? I think the big thing to realize is that happiness is a choice. Regardless of your situation, you get to choose your response. You get to choose your feelings and you get to choose happiness. So I'd love for you to learn more about how you can choose happiness. Um, you can work with a coach on that one or there's some good books out there. Um, but work on letting go of others judging you, bringing some silliness back into your life and choosing happiness every day. All right, so to recap the five regrets of the dying, we have at number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And last but not least, I wish that I'd let myself be happier. So my lovely listener, I would love for you to choose one of those and focus on it over the next day, the next week, and see if you can turn things around so that when we get to the end of our lives, these are not the regrets that we're going to have. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next episode.